0: Good afternoon and welcome to lunchtime series with Kevin where we add value to people's lives happening every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 12 on ebusradio.com. You can catch the lunchtime series on all major podcast channels and for our lunchtime marketing segment proudly brought to you by Hollard uh, Insurance, hashtag big ads for small businesses. As per usual, joining us, our marketing communications expert, Craig Paisley. How are you doing, Craig?
1: Kevin, I'm well, thank you. Yeah, good, man.
0: Good, good to see you after. Yeah, I know we're both having crazy weeks and well, crazy. <laughs> That's exciting. I know,
1: I know. The calendars are moving, and the, these recordings are getting earlier and earlier. Um, but yeah, it is, it is exciting times, and you know, the fact that we're we're now well into that last quarter of the year, which really is, I think, by mid October we're going to have. Exactly two months of work left because you know what happens in South Africa, yeah. it's 16th of August onwards, you know, at least 16th of December onwards. We just literally closed down,
0: exactly. Yes, <laughs> so <laughs> we're gonna hurry up and, and make it happen, right? <laughs> yes, Craig. So, I don't know about you, um, but I've never, um, the fact that we had the conversation that we we heard last uh, last week. Um, to endure some hardships that our guests sort of shared with us, Honolo Mutzing from Moja Chicken had to go through some some serious survival for his business, and you know that 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 entrepreneurial spirit, that that ongoing like never give up kind of attitude, um, you know, even living in his car, doing you know what he had to to make things happen, um, listening to it it gives you chills to kind of go you know this 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 man had to go through what he went and here he is you know a a, literally a year and a half later you know in a very short space of time um you know hollard stepped in helped the man and gave him an opportunity which he took he he took more and lo and behold eight stores later he's he's you know Kicking butt, and I'm like just listening to it. It's like it's yeah. phenomenal.
1: Hey? I, I know. I, I actually just haven't stopped thinking about uh, um, his comments either, Kevin. And and just you know, I I've been in a situation where I've been part of a startup. I've also had to sell personal items, you know, refinance vehicle, recalibrate my lifestyle to to ensure survival of a startup. But but I've always had the benefit of close friends and family for a roof over the head, a place to sleep and 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 food on the table. And 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 as you mentioned, you know, Letronolo actually had to sleep in his vehicle at times where he had nowhere to go. And, you know, when a friend took him in, then the last resort he had was the value of the sale of his vehicle to pump into his business. But but really what impressed me immensely there, Kevin, is is when tornolo realized he was probably suffering from depression he was in that that really negative space that lazy sleep all day environment and that really is is a big a a big indicator of depression and and that's when you know you're on the downward spiral and and it was just incredible to see how he was able to motivate himself out of that space by by getting the call. From someone he knew who was aware of this particular opportunity within Hollard, and that he actually gathered his senses and and it took him two days and he literally handed it in the uh, the, the the application for consideration just on on the day just before deadline and he gathered his senses and he spent an enormous amount of time just. Putting clarity down on paper and realizing that this was another opportunity to take him out of the position was. And, and you know, what was really great is is he he definitely realized he had nothing to lose by doing it. And at the end of the day, as you've just mentioned, we know that he's had everything to gain by actually being being successful in, in his application at hollard So a big up to to matsing of Moder Chicken. Um, he absolutely deserves the break he's he's absolutely in capable hands in the guiding and mentoring that 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 whole insurance is bringing to the, the 12 recipients of the campaign and i genuinely believe and as, as as i'm sure you do he absolutely has the ability to shoot the lights out and achieve his dreams of opening 100 stores within a five- year period kevin
0: Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and building on some of those comments, Craig, um, what are the key takeaways, uh, points from last week's conversation that you can share with listeners? Yeah,
1: thanks, Kevin. So I just want to reiterate that that the only way one can grasp a full understanding of what Petronolo had to endure is, is is really listening to the podcast again and, and hearing both firsthand about his journey, but also about his passion and his commitment to grow a uniquely South African brand. And, and that's, that's, that's definitely worth a big punt again. So, in getting back to, to the takeaway points, Kevin, I think um, the lessons for our, last, for, for, for our uh, listeners from last week go as follows. Point one launching a startup business takes time. Even the smallest idea takes a lot of time and will surprise you make sure you have a clear runway of planning in your strategic thinking. Point two, have a clear idea about what your business wants to be, what it offers and what it stands for. So again, here, here's a really great thing. So as much as Ms. honolo had to endure all of these hardships, he clearly understood and knew that he wanted a chicken-based fast food business and that he wanted it to be firstly national. And then secondly, expand across the continent. So so he had a clear vision of of intent and what he wanted to do with this brand. Point three is be very clear of how to position your business. It was great listening to him, how how he went on about wanting to outsmart Nando's and KFC by having these, and even Chicken Licken, by having these bigger, plumper, uh, juicier chickens um, on on his menu, and I think he mentioned something around the fact of about a 1.6 kilogram chicken stand under correction, but but he very quickly realised that having the best and biggest spatchcock chicken on the menu would be a very costly exercise. And in a very short period of time, he'd be out of business, not having eaten himself out of business, but his customers eaten him out of business. So he then accepted parity in terms of the core offering um, and then quickly realized that he can differentiate on taste and on experience. And he therefore was able to develop a bespoke and, and, and highly desirable range of sources for his grilled chicken. These are available um, for, for general consumption and purchase, I should say. And, and he also developed a really detailed plan on how to deliver the best quality experience at, at the, the eight stores he had in place at that point. Point number four, develop a clear and simple name and branding identity. And this, again, is is, is yeah, where I really take my hat off to a littlechenlo. he he knew what he wanted to call his business. He came up with the name Modjo, which means the same thing in many different languages, and easily adaptable and transferable in vernacular, and that's a good starting point for any brand. A single-minded reference, a single-minded understanding of the power of what the brand means, and in this instance, meaning nice, lucky, enjoyable, etc. Once you have the name and identity, ensure rootless consistency of application across all touch points, and he did that. He built a brand guideline. Before he even launched his brand, he was putting all of these aspects in play, Kevin, and, and, and getting ready to take it to market. Point five, there will be a moment in time when outsiders, investors, funders, supply chain partners want a piece of the business. Choose carefully and never give away more than you have to, irrespective of how desperate you may be. And he did reference again there that where were some investors that wanted to come in and they wanted too big a share of his business and he just knew that he was going to do all the work and walk away with nothing. Point six, do an in-depth industry analysis. Know the market. Review the opportunity. And this is where he very got he quickly got to, to realize that South Africans consumed third most chickens in the world. Yeah, yeah, a fact that that surprised both you and I. Um, he also applied a comprehensive SWOT analysis and developed his 5P analysis of price, place, product, promotion, and people. And once he had that in place, he just knew that he was going down the right path. What he needed then was just to get the initial liftoff. Point seven, introduced technology to help streamline and run the business. So great thing here is that he was able to develop this technology that could actually allow him to view into each of the environments that, that were operating. You could have a look at it from quality control, how the food was being prepared, what, what was happening in the back kitchen, stock loss management, um, and the opportunity exists to develop it into an ordering platform, cashless payments, and, and, and again, to integrate a, a rewards and loyalty platform in it. And, and the key thing here, Kevin, is that brands that develop ecosystems, that digital connectivity across all the touch points, tend to grow faster than the average brand. So definitely, he's heading off in the right direction. And, and my final point here, Kevin, is if you believe in it, get advice early in the thinking and setup stage. That way, there will be a hell of a lot less to change if things go wrong, or if you've overlooked something critical in in, in the success of your business. And yeah, that's the the, the eight points of uh, last week's conversation.
0: Yeah, Craig. Uh, you know, guys, if you want to go and check it out, go and check it out on ebizradio.com. You can also check it on the uh, all major podcast channels. A fantastic conversation and uh, such an inspiring story on someone taking action to their life. I I absolutely loved it. Craig, so last week you mentioned something about looking at the latest brand rankings. Uh, Please share with the listeners what we are in for today.
1: Yeah, Kevin, thanks. I I referenced the Kantar Brand Z 2021 Most Valuable South African Brands report last week. Um, So so just the, the great thing is that I reference it not just in terms of the topic of today, but also as a motivator for electro not saying of Modja, to really inspire him and motivate him to move forward, because Nando's is the only fast food brand that makes it onto the list, coming in at position six with a value of 1,678 million U.S. dollars, Yes, down 16% on last year's value of 1,997 million and dropping one position from last year's ranking at number five. And obviously we understand all, all of the factors behind that COVID and, and the challenges that come with that. Um but really I, it 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 was inspiration for me going through the ranking, but inspiration for me to give him this 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 pointer is fact that he can eventually see his brand out there. So yeah. I, I I can just sit here and, and I'm sure you can envisioning Letranola with all his passion, enthusiasm, commitment, his dead set determination, making it onto the top rankings in in, in the next few years. And uh, yeah, he could be the the real game changer or competitor to to Nando's.
0: And Craig, you know, I think you know the fact that that he's done what he's done in such a, a short uh, space of time. Um. I think it's very, very possible. You know, it's, uh, I, when you see the success of what people are doing and how they, how quickly they can, they can rise to, to, um, you know, success, um, i don't think you know it's impossible i, I and how, how why not you know for having another major chicken brand in south africa i'm like hell let's do it let's see it let's support it
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely you know and as as we talk i'm actually thinking about the the other the recipients of 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 the benefits of hollard's uh big ads for small business campaign imagine if there are a few of those other categories other sectors and you know sit here and Five years' time, ten years' time, and actually look back at at their respective journeys to see if Hollard's campaign actually was a catalyst for helping any of those onto the the big brand ranking platforms in into the future, Kevin. You know, and that would be really, really cool to to know that we've actually hosted and contributed part of the conversation to to their existence as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: What? I really would love to see is the big business owners in this country talking about their brand journeys. Yeah. and actually the the opportunity to to create a short storybook of yeah. you know, the likes of the Whitei the Raymond Ackermans, um, yeah, the 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 Nando's founders, all of them putting their stories down Brosian. And just giving a little snippet of a view into their life and the challenges that, that they were faced with and trying to keep their businesses alive. And, you know, I'm sure that many of them also had to endure a lot of the hardships that the, the, the young entrepreneurs of today are, are having to deal with. You know, But it, it would be a great topic for uh, you know, how we did it business book, Kevin, something that we could initiate through the show.
0: Yeah, it would be really great to like Raymond Ackerman, pick and pay or or, or, um, Whitey Basson from ShopRite Holdings, Adrian Gore, Discovery Group, sharing uh, stories like this from their formative years and what the successes are and how the the, the brand grew. Uh, I think that would be a complete uh, tune-in moment for everybody, actually. Yeah,
1: yeah. I I think we must actually pick up on that and really um, persevere with that kind of thing. It could be a a really great storybook for success of great business in, in, in South Africa. Yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, but Kevin, before, before I look at the, the rankings in detail um, today, I, I wanted to spend some time in familiarizing ourselves with a, a whole plethora of terms and methodologies. Um, not that, you know, Kantor are bringing new words to market and, you know, building out thinking around acronyms, but but they, they definitely are a couple of, phrases, terminology, and, and terms in the report that we all know well to know too well. You know, the industry's littered with them, but in this particular instance, they have absolute apparent meaning, and and they, they definitely more than the holier than thou statement. So it's, it's, it's worthwhile just referencing a couple of the words, the likes of meaning, salience, difference to differentiation, uniqueness, affinity, um, the four fundamentals of experience, functionality, convenience, and exposure, and and a whole lot more. I can assure you of that. And you know, we've we've heard those words all too often in in our shows, uh, referencing specific sectors of of the industry. Yeah. So Kevin, looking at the context of of the first three words that are mentioned there, I just want to kick off um, and and show how these words apply to brands, irrespective of the size, the category, or or sector. Let's let's just have a look at that. So the first word here is meaning. Um, It's about meeting people's needs in a way that creates affinity. So what does the brand do to meet people's needs to create affinity? And and just for those that don't know, affinity is a natural liking or an understanding of someone or something. So a brand creates that affinity with the audience and it meets a particular need in, 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 in their life. Salience is the second word. It's important about being in the lives of consumers, not just being loud. So what what is the so firstly the brand is now met a need what is that brand doing to be in the lives of consumers as opposed to just standing on the side, bleating out big noises and actually really not uh, understanding what it's about. It's about seen as fulfilling people's needs in ways that build deeper connections with them. And, and what's really interesting if, if you when, when you do read into the report is there's, there's really only a small gap that exists between the the term of meaning and salience South African brands versus those of international brands and that's a really good good indicator to see. Um, then the third, the third word here is, is difference or differentiation, and and this is about how your brand is set apart from the c- competition, by associating a superior performance aspect of your brand with multiple customer benefits. Um, interestingly here, though, that the report notes that there's a major room for improvements in this measurement for, for South African brands, as they definitely are lagging the international counterpoints in, in this regard.
0: Thanks for that, Craig. Um, I can definitely see how the words or concepts work together in meeting consumer needs and creating a bigger and more meaningful impact. Craig, so um, you also mentioned the four fundamentals of experience, functionality, convenience, and exposure. What is a brand structure analysis and what does it mean?
1: Yeah, Kevin, yes, thanks. Uh, again, as I was saying earlier, you know, there's a whole basket full of, of these words and terms. Um, whilst it's not overused, it's most definitely not a new concept. And, and I do believe that, that the aspect of brand structure analysis is core to understanding brand performance and brand success. So, yeah, it's important here that we go through, through the four fundamentals of brand structure analysis. Um, and to reiterate, they are experience, functionality, convenience, and exposure. So starting with experience, we know that strong brands provide superior exposure. Experience across all consumer touch points. Um, yeah, we, we, we know what's happened pre COVID. Brands that ignored the consumers lost out in the journey. Brands that engaged with consumers built new channels of communication and new opportunities to engage and shift the face to face experience into the digital environment and really stay relevant throughout that particular entire journey. And most importantly, the likes of COVID is, is actually necessitated the need for brands to really understand the importance of post-sale experience as well. When customers cannot come into stores and customers cannot walk into a telco provider to get help setting up their devices or, or technology enablement, you know, the the virtual uh, um, brains trust that's able to manage and and, you know, help set you remotely incredibly important in, in, in that regard. So ensuring the transition from the online to the offline. And now as we go back to a people first world again, you know, how do you not lose the online greatness, but bring some of the offline uh, experience improvements back to play? Yeah. And, you know, it's also about understanding the, the balance between and I know we spoke about this in the, the automotive piece, the balance between what do you relegate to technology like chatbots, and then how much do you leave to the front-end consumer uh, facing staff as well. The second point is the functionality aspect. And, and this is about offering a product or service that is seen as well designed within a suitable range of options and that innovates as a necessity to maintain value, functionality. Um, Here, the likes of Apple Pay, Apple device, embedded technologies, going into a store, touching your um, mobile device on the the uh, POS device, just an integrated ecosystem coming to life there. The likes of uh, Control, CTRL, an incredible new brand in South Africa, a great digital insurance advisor, uh, a great competitor to the likes of Hippo, where you're aggregating uh, in insurance uh, pricing, these guys are, are really ahead of the game. But again, they've developed an ecosystem that that is incredibly important because that ecosystem delivers against the functionality needs of consumers. Next is consumer. Uh, it's convenience. Um, in, in this consumer-led environment, it's essential for brands to fit seamlessly into the everyday lives of users. And the final fundamental is exposure. Again, we know this. Strong brands create great advertising with memorable icons and messaging. And, you know, the likes of Nike Swoosh and the Just Do It Statement. And interestingly, again, there is Nike never once selling a pair of shoes, but selling to the performance and achievement of, of, of sportsmen around the world. McDonald's, the big yellow golden arches, totally synonymous with, with fast food. MW and the sheer driving pleasure payoff. And then my all time favorite one, uh, Kevin is Patek Philippe with a with a um position as, yeah, you never actually own a Patek Philippe. You merely look after it for the next generation. You <laughs> know, that that statement alone is just about making a big promise around performance and longevity and sustainability of their of particular product. Yeah. So what's important to know in this given, and, and I'm going to quote a, a paragraph from the report, states that while these fundamentals vary in the effectiveness across geographies, they are, an integ- they are integral to growth in South Africa. Globally, the four fundamentals account for 70% of all brand value growth while in South Africa, they contribute 62%. This compares favorably to the BRICS counterparts of China and India, where they account for only 47% and 54% respectively. So in spite of the unique circumstances of South Africa, the building blocks of brand value in the country remain similar to those found elsewhere. A really, really quick reference to that. And closing on the point, just it's worth noting that success is, in essence, as simple as Getting the fundamentals right, solving the value equation, and building your unique differentiation.
2: Um, that comparison to to the favorably to BRICS counterparts like China and India. That's um, you would think that China would be far far more in the lead. <laughs> than you know in their their actual fundamentals in how their, their brand value growth is looking compared to South Africa, and it's not- yeah.
1: Kevin, I, I was I was pleasantly surprised at that, and you know, the there the, the, there are a couple of things that rush through my mind. One one is is it possibly that the market is so big that the 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 audience quantum? It's hard to always ensure that you achieve against experience, function, convenience, and exposure every single time for every single one of the consumer engagements because the market is just so big, or. The product development so rapid that as soon as you build a relationship with a the brand, there's another version, iteration, or another brand to associate with, and you don't get the chance for the longevity of the life cycle of that particular product. And those are just two points that popped to mind straight away. So, yeah, a good point you make, but I, I don't have the, the full answer there, but definitely it surprised me. It really did.
2: And also, um, you know, potentially at the speed and rate at what they they evolve and get stuff done. In you know, the moment you think you're having a wonderful, uh, you have a wonderful product that's really doing a thing. Someone else is doing something better or offering a, a better, you know. So that that constant. Um, We're in South Africa. I don't think we have that, that. That like like Nando's. Nando's is one of the only brands, the two brands, the best well-known brands in South Africa. Um, I think the only other one I know of is is KFC, um, and yeah, that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head.
1: Yeah, ch- Chicken Licken is, is, is definitely yeah, a, another one out there. Um, there. There are one or two other uh, smaller brands um, that I've come across. I know there's, there's one with green and red and white in, in the logo, but... but for goodness sake, I can't, I can't um, you know, recall the name, which is a you know, bad thing. But definitely in, in terms of what the brand stands for, the offering, the flavor, all those great nuances, the localization aspect, Nando's is, is right out there in, in the front end. And then the international brands of the KFCs are the Universal accepted from one country to the next. That's what we expect. That's what the taste is. That's what the outside burning oil smellers and all those other great things that <laughs> are <done> with that <laughs> good old Pepsi and, and, and D's, you know
2: so Craig uh, we've learned to deal uh, about the terms and concepts defining brand performance and what these mean when evaluating brand value are you able to provide some insight into the ranking and share which brands are included and what the overall ranking consists of
1: yeah it's definitely definitely um, going to be quite revealing and and there's a couple of great surprises in the ranking as well. So just to just, just set the context, Kevin, I want to start by quoting def- directly from page four of the report, and it opens with, with some, some really great facts here. So for all uniqueness of our country, the building blocks of brand value in South Africa are remarkably similar to those in our markets, a point that it came out in a, in a similar way uh, in, the, in the previous uh, paragraph. The our analysis dovetails in important ways with 20 years of cancer breast research in both South Africa and around the world, which has repeatedly demonstrated that a strong, differentiated brand provides resilience during downturns and quicker return to growth when things improve, no matter how extreme the circumstances. And just on on, on that point, given, you know, if you look at the the strength of the the, the value of superior shareholder return on strong brands. If you look at a a, a period 2006 to 2021, 15-year period, in the S&P, over that 15-year period, strong brands grew by 224%, generated 224% of shareholder value growth. The most powerful brands in the top 10 portfolio, based on the Brand Z ranking, generated 463% growth.
2: <laughs> wow. The
1: strong brands portfolio, which is the portfolio below going to the top, 10 to top 100, generated 363% growth. And you know the number of, of economic downturns, uh, political interventions, Social challenges that the world has been faced over a faced over a 15 period, 15 year period, dips in 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 the late 2000s, dips in 2019, 2020 that obliterated shareholder value as we saw with the beach industries, but the beautiful turnaround and upward trajectory is really the evidence point that top powerful brands have been able to generate 463 percent of shareholder brand value growth over a 15 year period so you know it's vitally important to understand what the drivers are to ensure that you succeed as a top brand and that's why we went through the basket of words but it gave clarity as to the measures and the intent behind the words so yeah what i want to read on a bit more to understand the, the extent of the report the study now includes the opinions of over 31,335 South Africans on 660 brands in 47 categories. So, a really deep and broad uh, uh, piece of research, Kevin. The, the day also shows that in 2021, brands were already seeing signals of recovery from last year's major disruptor, COVID 19. Um, as we know, we also picked up on the amazing trajectory on, on, on the beach industries again value of the rankings, and this surprise, the value of the rankings only declined by 3% over the two-year period, which in South African uh, uh, um, context relates to $28.8 billion, which that in itself is quite huge. Um, but interestingly, again, several brands made huge gains in Value Kevin. The report also marks the introduction of that new framework, which looks at levers that create brand value. Um, and in the past year, the Council of Brands Z undertook a rigorous research study that identified what those are, those being, again, to reiterate experience exposure functionality and convenience. And as we mentioned earlier, those four count for seventy percent of global gro- growth in brand value. With South Africa coming in at sixty-two percent.
2: Yeah, Craig, when you when you look at numbers like this, uh, it, it's it's uh, they 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 really they, it's yeah, incomprehensible of like the, the amounts like twenty-eight point eight billion um, in, in decline. It's right? Dollars, like, not rent that's dollars, right. Yeah, Yeah. It's insane. It's an insane, insane amount of money that, that we're talking about here.
1: And it, it, it all does point to the fact that, you know, apart from the political challenges, the economic situation, where we are on the continent as a geography, overcoming all of those issues and challenges, the South African economy is by all means a fairly robust, important economy to the world, very much so to the African continent, but yeah. that we really, we really have... A lot of value driving in the economy, and, and that's that's something to be proud of as as a South African business. Really I also is. don't
2: think other people are aware of it. You know, I don't think that's that's often spoken about, and the the the, the, the fact that we bring attention to the fact that we're, you know, as much as uh, we have to deal with what we have to deal with, uh, we're still thriving. are still making it happen. Yeah,
1: that's a good point, Kevin, because if you consider how few people actually get to re- read these reports, to access these, it's mainly the brand leaders, the organizational heads, the agencies that are involved, and 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 the broader marketing community and branding community, whereas how deep in the public domain do these reports go? And and, and if they do get there, what is the interpretation of the detail behind it and the understanding of the metrics that come out of the response? these reports to, to the broader populace, you know, um, and 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 the individual who, who goes to Capitech back, what is his understanding and appreciation of his experience relative to what the report says in relation to those metrics that that define that experience as well? So, you know, what, what are the, the, the expectation gaps and what is the real meaning be behind it?
2: And uh, to add to what you're saying, um, and this with the unemployment rate at the height that it is, you know, you kind of go with the country that that really needs to work at the uh, unemployment rate. We're still turning out this type of value, and we're still turning out this. Can you imagine what this that meant if we if we got if we if changed the unemployment rate in this country and and leave, what that would mean for the country? It's like yes. it's in, insane.
1: It it is insane. Um.
2: Just to add on to that, you
1: actually make a really good point because the one the one precursor that the report does deliver, and it's an important fact to understand. In, in in response to that, Kevin, is that the the full evaluation and 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 um criterion was to I think the final results came out in July this year, so most of the research was done pre the um, political upheaval we had, particularly in 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 KZN, where you know. If they did a measure now, there might be a fundamental difference in the ranking of some of those brands because in some instances, retailers had entire facilities just desecrated, distribution centers eliminated, buildings brought to, to, to rub and ruin, and the financial performance of those brands will be fundamentally impacted. You may well see quite a dramatic shift, particularly in the in the retailer distribution-based brands that are on the ranking. Um, but yeah, good good point you make, and and the report has a clear precursor, yeah, uh, you know, stating that fact. So it would be interesting to see next year because the yeah. report will have picked up from that point onwards. There, there'll obviously be a dip in value, but if there's some wonderful core correction coming out of the re-establishment of the economy and the settling down of political unrest. That said again, we're going into local electioning and we're going into national electioning thereafter. That in itself is gonna bring another challenging time for the economy, for infrastructure. And you know, is it again another point for political groupings to take their angst, anxiety, and frustrations out on the infrastructure that drives the economy? So those are those are points that we really need to 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 be cognizant of moving into twenty twenty two. Yeah. Yeah. So, Kevin, before diving into the detail of the rankings, um, you know, we've we've covered this aspect of brand rankings uh, a number of times. Uh, so I, I wanted to mention again that there are a number of reports that are published on the topic annually. Um, we've covered one of them in detail before, um, that being Brand Africa Survey, Top 100 Brands in Africa 2021. Um, the other is, is South Africa 50 2021. It's the annual report on the most valuable and strong South African brands. That is published by Brand Finance, Brand Directory. And I think that that would be the only report that's really pegging itself head on head with Canada's uh, report as to brand valuation, whereas the, the Brand Africa Survey, Tebbi uh, uh, um tool, looks at the most admired brands. So fundamentally through metrics and measures and association relationships with brand, as opposed to the brand value that sits on the bottom line and how that impacts their, their financial standing and, 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 and ranking on international markets. So diving into, into the reports, um, let me give you a quick snapshot of, of this. So total value of the most valuable top tier brands in South Africa, billion. Change over the last year, minus 3%, which I believe is is really well-contained considering the impact of COVID on South Africa, particularly in light of the fact that we weren't necessarily an e-commerce first-based economy, and it would have taken a lot longer for those uh, um, developments and ecosystems to get to play, and I would have expected a much bigger drop. So, the ten most valuable South African brands, Kevin, they account for sixty-five percent of the total value of the twenty-eight point eight billion, that being eighteen point seven billion US dollars. Position number one, First National Bank. I don't know if if you would have considered that. They came in with uh, 2.699 billion or oh, a million US dollars. Position number two, Vocom. They came in with 2.572 million dollars. Position number three, and this this was quite an interesting one for me, considering the hard lockdown we had, plus the 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 stringent controls of alcohol consumed, purchased and consumed during lockdown. Castle. Came in at position number three at oh, wow. two, yeah, two comma uh, position number four, another bank, uh, standard bank coming in at two 3, 5 million. Uh position number five, the tussle for the sector comp provider MTN coming in at one million US dollars. And as we referenced earlier, position number six of a lover chicken brand and coming in at one comma six, seven, eight million. Position number seven, a rapid riser, Discovery, coming in at 1,382. We all understand why Discovery would, would come in and, and really chart its way through the ranks. Took a good start on how to approach COVID, develop great technology infrastructures, digitization of processes, participated in the registration of, of the COVID vaccine proposition, really just leaning in and um, doing what it could. Position number eight, I, I would have expected this to be a top 10 considering the amount of television and and multi-screen viewership during COVID was DSTV coming in at uh, one point two five two million. And yeah, position number nine, another bank, APSA Bank, in this instance, coming in at... Uh, 1.158 million. And what do you think position number ten would be given? A category what? that hasn't appeared on the list yet.
2: Well, at this yeah, I'm like I'm just thinking, listening to this, thinking it's, there's food and there's finance. <laughs> so, <laughs> so who is? I don't
1: know. So on the money. That's exactly it. Well done. Yeah, yeah. Um Woolies, we's coming in at position number ten, 1.086 million, The the first of the retail. Uh, category in, in the top 10 ranking.
2: So, Do yeah. you think that speaks to the nation though? Like, Isn't it a little bit weird that the top valued brands in our country predominantly is finance brands? Isn't there something wrong with that picture? So, Kevin, <laughs> great question. <laughs> I, I
1: think, again, it's, it's just about if you're meeting the nation's needs from whatever service proposition your brand stands for you meeting it delivering all of the points of consumer need the salience the meaningful difference there's no reason what category in that you shouldn't have the right to be at the top and and as a nation you know the good thing is you you often talk about the the steve campaign with with fnb we know that fnb have been Incredibly diligent in their advertising and staying ahead of the game in their product development, in technology enablement, the app was one of the leading apps in South Africa. So, if you look at all of those aspects that came along over the last few years, and they've been able to sustain that and build on it and get better, you know, that is why they they move up the rankings. And the the expectation of of financial services being paramount. During the light of COVID is is absolutely a no-brainer, and from that point of view, I think that that really it is important that we do see financial services brands um, sitting in 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 top of the rankings. Interestingly, though, remember when we looked at the 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 Brand Africa top 100 most admired brands, um, FNB didn't come out in the top ranking. There, Standard Bank actually came ahead of FNB, although not in the top 10 the other the other africa-based brands were, were sitting in 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 the top 10 there. and in fact i may even have um a ranking of, of that i'll i'll just quickly cross my my mind back to that while whilst we're chatting um here we go GTE bank was first first bank nigeria second sorry absol was third they did get into the top 10. uh uea nigeria equity kenya Eco bank togo Bank of Africa Mali, and only then at eight and nine, standard bank and Capitech coming in. So F and just didn't come into the spectrum at that point. And that points to the interesting difference between the various rankings because most admired bank talks to a whole load of other aspects. Yes, the metrics that come from the brand Z ranking as well, but the financial performance value of this and and, and um the, the Cantor proposition is is really quite a different metric. And this is an important metric because this is the space where you can invest your money for long-term growth, as opposed to going to invest your money over the counter to purchase a product. Two quite different points of view there. Yeah, um, Yeah. So, so interestingly, the, the category breakdown was quite surprising. Absolutely. Alpha, so, yeah, yeah. So, go for Kevin.
2: So, Craig, as we're as we near to the end of today's show, um, what points and takeaways do we have for listeners?
1: Kevin, there's about nine points for our listeners. Um, and th- these are as follows. Some some are from our broader conversations that I've collated, and, and some of them are direct extracts from, from the report. There's some beautiful nuggets coming out of the report there as well. So a successful campaign should not only get people to actively desire brand, it should also expose them to ideas, impressions, and feelings that influence how they shop in a category. So across the entire customer experience journey, as I mentioned, from the online to the offline. And back into the online environment. Point two is, is is one that I really love from the report is that value is more than price. Value equals price, which consists of your outlay and your affordability, divided by the benefits, which consists of your trust, your safety, your quality, your convenience, the functional and emotional performance of the brand. Point three brands that develop an ecosystem tend to grow faster than the average brand. For instance, uh, if you look at Discovery Group I mentioned earlier, they've got health, they've got banking, they've got personal and business, they've got insurance, they've got technology, there's an app, there's a self-managed online process, there's monitoring the performance of your vehicle. All of those aspects tie into a really deep ecosystem that has been developed, and those are the brands that tend to go faster than the average brand. Point four, growing brands in the ranking tend to exhibit a minimum of one of two characteristics. Consumers see them either as different or as providing excellent value. And in terms of different, these brands provide something distinct in the marketplace that they cannot get from anyone else of their peers. These brands also retain existing customers while charging, interestingly, a justifiably higher premium for products and services. In terms of the providing excellent value component for their brands, Kevin, these brands make fair exchange for the price exchanged. And if you remember uh, from, from early in the conversation of the value plus price, cash, play divided by dividends, uh, at least by benefits, we, we can very quickly determine which of those brands in, in, in the ranking. Yeah. So building brand functional performance is the extent to which consumers consider that a brand produces goods or services that are adequate, that adequately perform the function for which they are created and building brand emotional performance the brand provides customer with a positive feeling when they purchase or use that particular brand and they add richness and depth to the experience of owning and using the brand so the final key points uh, the five of them are direct extract from the the counter brand's most valuable brand rankings they are noted as follows take your bearings so this year both global and local data continue to emphasize that meaningful difference is the cornerstone of creating brand power or the ability to drive repeat business. Develop a Nzanzi e-commerce strategy. In the past year, an ongoing trend towards online purchasing has only accelerated with consumer retailers rapidly adapting to challenges of market. Don't go dark. When money is tight, marketing often ends up in the crosshairs of procurement. We had this discussion. Uh, This may not be the wisest idea, um, the analysis also shows that brands are growing their value during the pandemic, the pandemic also characterized by increasing salience. Plan for increased in-home occasions, something that's never going to disappear. South Africans are spending more time at home, both for safety as well as financial reasons. And as a result, they're more online, investing personal growth and changing how they eat. The final point here is set example with sustainable practices. Again, a point with... Covered in various different guises and conversations. The pandemic has put no pause on South Africa's desire to live in a more sustainable world. Today, they want brands to help them consume in a socially and environmentally responsible way. They also feel that stable living should not be an expensive pursuit, but an affordable option. And the final statement here is brands should look for ways to profit with purpose creating products and services that don't really fulfil functional needs, but to do so in a way that preserves the planet and future generations.
2: Fantastic. Craig, yeah, I enjoy the don't go dark. Yes. <laughs> we tend to kind of go, oh, you know, don't spend money on marketing, but yet it's so important. Absolutely. Craig, thank you. Um, uh, for our, uh, our show for next week, what is coming up for for uh, if uh, guys want to tune in?
1: Kevin, yeah, so so what i like to do is look at the three rankings in particular that we've mentioned today and look at the top ten of each of those and, and actually get into a bit of a deeper conversation around why brands admire the way they are in the admired ranking and why brands performing the way they do in two brand valuation rankings. And then for the first time, I've not done a direct one-on-one comparison of the top ten of the two financial value rankings. It would be interesting to 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 get my head around that. But I'd also like to try and get, um, I did put a call out to to Cantor to see if anybody was available there. But uh, I might also put a call out to Jeremy Sampson to see if he's able to come and spend some time with us talking around the brand finance and directory um, report, which we haven't covered in detail before.
2: Ah, fantastic. Guys, so you want to tune in with us, uh, it's every Thursday right here on ebizradio.com. And uh, that's the Lunchtime Marketing segment, proudly supported by Hollard Insurance. Big, hashtag big ads for small businesses. Page Pagely, thank you so much for your time. Greg, thanks for all the insights.
1: Brilliant, Kevin. Thank you. Good to chat again.
2: And chat soon. Cheers.
1: Definitely.